Warning, Mombies will discuss information regarding true crime or other topics that are spooky in nature. This may be offensive to some listeners. For more information on the potential trigger warnings in this episode, please review our show notes and be cautious when listening. I'm Beth. I'm Christina. And I'm Holly. And we're the Mombies. great question weird just just absolutely strange how do you even do that i feel like that's gotta mean something hello spooky humans welcome back to the mommy's podcast i'm beth i'm holly uh, how's it going holly oh, i got a fucking mouth with blisters on it oh no <laughs> so good luck guys i literally feel like i can't smile all the way because it stretches my lips oh. uh, i get fever blisters ever since i was a tiny child a couple know. times a year and i didn't sleep very much because jenna was just here so yeah. hello my love Hi, jenna. Miss you. Miss you. and then sleep a lot um it's a stress or not sleeping and then yeah. boop yeah, mm-hmm. which was great because then right after it happened, the kids had like field day things at the end of the year at school, and I had to be out in the sun all day, in which I also <laughs> didn't even wear sunscreen because I'm stupid. I put sunscreen on Lila. I had the sunscreen in my hand. I just well, didn't even think about it. I was so busy. I didn't put sunscreen on any of my kids. Thank God they're half Indian because they're all fine. Literally, they were like, I don't sunburn. And I was like, you could. It just takes longer for you than your white mother. <laughs> she gave me so much shit today because she wanted to go to the pool. And I was like, sorry. It's an icicle. And I'm cannot go to the pool. Burnt. I'm yeah. not gonna go. I don't want these. If these turn into blisters, you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Your whole next week is gonna be sitting at home while mom tries to heal. So it was <laughs> just let this go, and then we'll do something fun in a couple of days when this bullshit is over. Because I didn't get burnt too bad. <laughs> Damn kids. Um, what else? What else do we have to talk about? So, so we're recording kind of in a weird order tonight. We're recording three episodes for you guys. Um, so. You know, we're trying to think of what what all we have to talk about on which episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking. Wait, what? Which one are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing the, the yeah. sec, second one. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's just let's, let's here just go. we go. Okay. So uh, today, this is, is one I don't know about. Wait. Yes, so yes. that's been keeping this a secret from me from a, for a couple weeks. Yes. So I don't even know what we're doing. I don't. So, so I, I my first sentence is today is a bit of a surprise for my beautiful co-host. Oh. Um, so I did not tell you what I was planning because I decided literally two nights before we were supposed to record this, which was a week ago, mm-hmm. um, and you guys didn't have an episode last week with, as we're recording this, so you did have an episode as you're listening to this. Um, They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You, well, you guys should because now you've already had an explanation. <laughs> so when you, when you listen to last week's episode, you got your explanation for what happened, so go back and listen to that. Um, so I'm hoping that to, to do a couple of like single episode cases since we just had like two four-parters and then a two-parter and they were kind of like back-to-back. So I, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a break from the long stories. And I kind of wanted to tell a bit of a different story because I like to keep it varied. I feel like mm-hmm. that's more interesting, easier to listen to sometimes. So um, and, and we've obviously done a lot of theorizing with those two four-parters. So I didn't want to do that. 
I want to give you a straightforward story. Okay. Uh, So I've been wanting to cover this case for a while. Back! Uh, I even reached out to one of the families a few months ago, but I never heard back. Oh, shit. You know who it is yet? No! Uh, I couldn't find a way to contact the other family, so um, today I'm going to tell you the stories of Sean Hornback. Oh, yeah! And Ben Envy. Yeah! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. my God, I'm so fucking excited I knew you were going to be so fucking excited. Yes, 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 yes! All right, so if you're from Missouri... Then you should know this buckle case. You probably up. do. Uh, and if not, yeah, buckle up. Oh, shit. Because here we go. <clears throat> so we're taking it back to 2002. Jeez. It right? doesn't even seem like that long ago. And it's so, I say that probably, we say that every time. That 21 happens. years ago. Oh, my goodness. Let's not even talk about how old I'm turning next week. Uh, so the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the morning of Sunday, October 6th, 2002, 11-year-old Sean Hornbeck ate a Pop-Tart for breakfast before settling in to play a racing game on his PlayStation. At around 1 p.m., Sean left his home in Richwoods, Missouri, on his bike to go to a friend's house. He was supposed to be home by 5 p.m. When 5 o'clock came and went, Sean's mom, Pam, gave him some extra time, probably understanding that kids get distracted or have a hard time saying goodbye. You know, and my kids do that kind of stuff. Uh, By six, she decided it was time to go get Sean. She drove to the friend's house, but they told Pam that Sean had never made it to their house. Which I just, like, I can feel my stomach drop. No. Like, what? wait, what? Um, About eight o'clock is when Pam called police. So I assume she's probably, you know, going to other places. Driving everywhere and calling and... Doing the things we'd all be doing. So over a hundred volunteers joined police in the search for Sean that night. They searched on foot, on ATVs, and even on horseback all with the sounds of helicopters searching overhead. The searchers looked for any sign of Sean, but it was as if he had vanished into thin air. At some point that night, the search was called off, but it was resumed the next day with now 200 volunteers. There was still no sign of Sean. Sean's mom stayed at home during the search because that's where she'd been told to stay there, stay by the phone. Um, Again, think this is 2002, so cell phones are just kind of starting to mm-hmm. to Your make kids their entrance. Definitely don't. Not oh, that no. age. Kids doesn't definitely have one don't. Yet. Sean's mom may not have one, mm-hmm. so it's not like she can go join the search and have a phone. Plus, in Richwoods, I don't know how that's, the cell service would have been at that time either. So you're talking back when phones were fucking roaming and you couldn't call before nine. Oh my god, roaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Pam made and printed flyers with Sean's picture while she'd sat at home worrying about her son. According to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, police originally believed it was likely that Sean had ridden his bike into the woods, fallen, and gotten hurt. Okay. Uh, they said, quote, we, oh, this isn't the police, this is somebody else. Quote, we haven't heard or found anything that would make us think differently at this point. Uh, said Mark Liston, director of the Midwest Trail Riders Association Motorized Search and Rescue Team. Now, there were also theories that Sean had fallen into a sinkhole or an old mine shaft or maybe he had gotten lost in the woods. So no one at this point is thinking anything other than that. This is this is probably some accident. He could be hurt somewhere. I can't even imagine. And just being in her situation, after a little bit of time, I mean, geez, you're probably you're going to start to hallucinate and everything. You wouldn't be able to sleep. Like, I'm just thinking about that first night yeah. of him being gone and not being home in his bed. Right. Oh, no. and, he's, and he's 11. I mean, uh-huh. he's so little still. As police spoke with the community, they learned that Sean had been seen on his bike near highways 41 and A at 4.30 p.m. that Sunday. He was about a half, that would be about a half mile from his home. Uh, Multiple papers at the time noted that Sean's mom had said Sean was afraid of the dark and he wouldn't have stayed out this long. 
Now, as you know, uh, I have a child that has anxiety and has had lots of rough nights from fear of the dark or from, and you know, some other thing that she's seen. And I just feel like the added level of worry, knowing that your baby could be out alone in the dark oh, that they're afraid of. Like they got hurt and their legs broke in the woods. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Just, I just, I just think about how this poor mom, that it, I obviously I knew this story before, but knowing it, listening to it now as a mom, it was, I, I just felt a whole new load of worry and, and sadness for what Pam went through with this whole thing. Mm. Uh, and of course, this is all on top of the already terrible fear for your child's safety and not knowing where, where your son is at this point. Now, late on Wednesday, October 9th, the Richwoods Fire Department called off the search for Sean, angering Sean's family and the volunteers. Sean's stepfather, and I say stepfather only because he's a stepfather, but this is the man who he's known his whole life. This is his father. Okay. Uh, Craig Akers was quoted in the Post-Dispatch saying that, quote, everyone was outraged by the decision. He called for more volunteers, stating that the family planned to organize their own search effort, which was endorsed by authorities. Why would the, why were they calling it off already? I don't know. I don't know if maybe they felt like they had searched everywhere. Maybe it just was. Oh, that I would be know. terrifying. Because yeah, what? Know. Now you're only two, three days in. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah. Only three days in. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would be definitely outraged as a parent. Yeah, hey. yeah, for sure. It, until it's been 72 years, then right, exactly. you haven't looked I mean, long enough. And I, and I don't know if maybe that's what... It, and I don't know. That was me guessing. I don't know why they decided to call it off. Maybe yeah. it was maybe it was the amount of help that they had. Maybe it was that they had... You know, they still have other things they have to do. They can't right. really do this. I, you know, I'm not really sure. So, um, not that any of those feel like good answers. I just, you know, I don't know what it was. But, uh, so John's parents... Wait, did I just... Oh, yeah, okay. Sean's parents created a website, which is no longer live, to raise awareness of Sean's story. There was even a $10,000 reward being offered for information leading to Sean's return. That reward would soon double to $20,000. On Thursday, October 10th, it was announced that the FBI and the Missouri Highway Patrol would be joining the Sheriff's Department in launching a criminal investigation into Sean's disappearance. So now they're thinking it could be something different. Oh, my gosh. They'd been following every lead, but nothing was getting them closer to Sean. There was even a lead that took them to a woman with dents in her car. The new theory being that maybe she'd accidentally hit Sean while he was riding his bike. Uh, It was determined that she likely hit a dog, thank God. Uh, Because there was no trace of Sean, it was now assumed that he'd been abducted. But there there wasn't any sign of that. They have no idea what's happened to this little boy. They can't find his bike. They can't find him. And they've searched all these areas close by where if he was just hurt, he would be right there. Right, right. But I mean, I think too, there's a lot of area to search. So it's not like they're looking in St. Louis City or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, they're looking in places where it's all woods and, and things. So that same day, inspired by the family's determination to find their son, professional searchers from as far away as Texas began arriving to help with the search. Oh my God. So people are How still amazing. Coming. Yeah. Uh, what an incredible show of humanity. Um, I think they, they said like. And especially back then when like you couldn't spread that as quickly as you right. can now. Absolutely. You're talking at a time before, I don't know if this is before Amber Alerts. I would, I don't remember when Amber Alerts started, but this is definitely before some of the other alerts that we had. So yeah, you're right. This is, this is not like today. Um, Police set up a checkpoint near where Sean was last seen. They stopped vehicles looking for tips or signs of Sean. They checked traffic citations from the day that Sean vanished. They checked the visitor list from the prison in Potosi. Uh, based on a tip, they dredged a pond and a lake looking for clues. Oh, there was still... Can you imagine how that would feel uh, as his parents, no. like when they're when they're dredging the lake, uh-uh. 
I'll be like, no, 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 no. Literally wanting an answer so bad, but not wanting that answer. That's all I keep thinking too. Like the fact that they're going through the woods and doing all these things and not finding him. It's almost like a relief a little bit. Right, right. (sighs) Uh, Pam, oh, excuse me. Uh, So there's still no sign of Sean. The searchers dwindled. But Sean's family didn't give up hope. Pam told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, quote, I just keep telling myself that we'll find him and Sean will come home. We'll never stop looking. (sighs) On October 17th, the authorities decided to close their command center in the Richwoods area, stating that the investigation could be better handled from their own offices. They put out a picture of a man they said was in the area at the time of Sean's disappearance, but they stressed that he was not any kind of suspect. They just wanted to talk to him. Uh, So far as I can tell, this was never reported on again, and we do know that this was not the man that kidnapped Sean, so... This guy had nothing to do with anything. On October 25th, Sean's family added $5,000 to the reward offered for information leading to Sean's recovery or an arrest. A few days later, that was increased to $11,000, making the total reward $31,000. Oh, my gosh. On October 26th, people began wearing orange ribbons to promote awareness of Sean's disappearance. After October, articles about Sean appeared less and less often. There were still no answers. So feel so lonely at them, but we have to do better, especially when we're talking about children. I oh, mean, yeah. oh. it's 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 hard too because like you know, people have to go back to work. People mm-hmm. can't take off work every day to do searches, and no matter right. how much we want to, no matter how much we think, right. you can't stop until you find this person. Right. And no matter how many people, there are a lot of people missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard, but then you know, people have to go back to work. People, well, and even to... them. Like, I don't know if they were both working at that time, but they have to go back to work eventually if you have other children and, oh, no. In January of 2003, Sean's parents founded the Sean Hornbeck Foundation, dedicated to the prevention of child abduction and the search and recovery of lost, missing, and abducted children. That same month, it was announced that Sean would appear in the, I think it's ADVO, A-D-V-O, Have You Seen Me campaign. And you've seen those like on the back of um, flyers in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. The campaign was started in 1985 after Vince Giuliano saw the the, the made-for-TV movie Adam, which tells the story of the abduction and murder of six-year-old Adam Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this campaign, like I say, it features the mailers that show the pictures of kids. Uh, have you seen me? And it's like, got, I think it's like yellow. But anyway, you can probably see them now. I'm sure if you still look on your fucking mailers, there's lots of kids missing. So, oh. um, <clears throat> On February 26, 2003, Craig and Pam Akers went on to the Montel Williams show where psychic Sylvia Brown told them what she thought had happened to their son. Uh, Brown told the Acres that a blonde child named Keith saw Sean after 4.30 p.m., so after he went missing. She said this child lived near the friend that Sean was going to see that day and wasn't a close friend, but, quote, goes in and out of the group. Brown further stated that Sean had been picked up in an older, like she said, like 1958 or 59, blue Chevrolet sedan that she was pretty sure was an Impala by someone named Michael. She described the man as Hispanic looking with dark dreadlocks. She said he was really tall, quote, almost like what you'd think a basketball player's build would be. In the clip of the show, Sylvia says the last name sounds like, and then you can like hear the audio cut out. Like she says something, but I couldn't find anything that states what the last name was or what the sound was that she told them, which is a shame. Right. What is Um, it? Sylvia said this person was passing through the area and wasn't someone Sean knew. She says Sean was still within a 20-mile range of his home and was southwest of his home. She describes a wooded area and two jagged boulders that look misplaced. And she says that Sean is near the boulders, but his bike is in another state in a dump. And when Pam asks if Sean is still with us, Sylvia shakes her head and whispers no. So we can, if we want to talk about it later, we can talk about whether or not she was correct in any of those things. Let me 
highlight so I can find it quickly. I just can't. Oh. I know. Oh. Well, we're going to swing back around to that. Yeah, we'll swing back okay. around. Okay. So, uh, in March of 2003, news broke that 15-year-old Elizabeth Smart, who had been kidnapped nine months prior, was found alive and returned to her family. Oh now, this incredible news renewed hope for Sean's family that maybe he was still alive. There was still no sign or clue as to who might have taken Sean or where he might be. The family continued on, day after day, hoping for a miracle. Sean's 12th birthday came and went. Still no news. Uh On that day, two Fenton businesses sponsored a Have You Seen Me ad for Sean on a bench in front of a local supermarket as part of the Sitting with an Angel campaign. The campaign was a partnership between the Sean Hornbeck Foundation and creative placard ads of Granite City to aid in the search for missing children. By the time October and the one-year anniversary of Sean's disappearance rolled around, the reward for information had climbed to $75,000. Wow. And provisions had been made to ensure it could be paid even to someone wishing to remain anonymous. I mean, they're doing, his parents are doing everything they can to try to bring Sean home. Oh. Uh, a candlelight vigil was held and a tree was planted in remembrance of Sean. More searches were performed, but nothing was found. Sean's mom was quoted in the Daily Journal as saying, quote, as long as it takes, I will never quit looking. Authorities still had no physical evidence and no solid leads as to what happened to Sean. They now believe that the last sightings of Sean around 430 near highways 47 and A the day of his disappearance were incorrect. And he'd actually last been seen at that time near the Richwood School. It was reported that many people in the area at that time believed Sean had been hit by a truck driven by either meth users or meth manufacturers. Oh my goodness. And this... It's not an outlandish scenario by any means, because during those initial searches, the leftovers of at least three meth labs were discovered. Oh. So, I mean, this is this could could be potentially what happened. His poor parents' brains. I know. Oh, so my much. God. And no clue. I mean, nothing. And not- all these possible scenarios, and then them bringing meth truck. What? Right. right. I'd just be like, please stop. Right. Please stop. Please stop. Just tell me what happened to myself. Uh, in February of 2004, it was announced that the $75,000 reward was being withdrawn because Sean's family was tired of playing games. People would call and say that they heard something, oh, okay. but they couldn't say who told them. Uh, others apparently will wait until the reward gets to whatever they think the highest is that it will go before they give any kind of information. Yeah. But most of the time, those rewards are for your information leading to me finding him, not just right. you giving me information. Right. But I guess people will either, either people who are lying or people who are think they have something, but they just want to make sure they get the most out of it, mm-hmm. which, fuck you. Yeah, people suck. Um, the Acres hoped that this was a clear sign to anyone with, with information that the ward would not go higher. And they had a limited amount of time to collect it. So it was like, you have until Tuesday at midnight, whatever. I don't remember what day it was, but uh, Sean's mom told the Daily Journal, quote, the way I see it, Sean did not run away. There are only two other options. Either he was abducted or somebody has caused harm to him. She continued stating, quote, my biggest hope is that Sean is out there and whoever abducted him is treating him well and giving him a good home. Sometimes it is unbearable to think about what he might be going through. Oh, my God. In July of 2004, on Sean's 13th birthday, another sitting with an angel bench was dedicated to Sean, this time in St. Peter's, Missouri. By the two-year anniversary of Sean's disappearance, leads had all but dried up, and most of the ones that were still coming in had already been called in before. Uh, authorities were still no closer to finding Sean than the day he disappeared. Which is just... I, I can't imagine that. There's always some clue. There's always something. Right. And there's just nothing. It's I literally like, can't get past what you just said a minute ago, though. I know. Thinking about what might have been happening to him while he was gone. Mm-hmm. Ugh. 
Yeah. <clears throat> um, ah, in August of 2004, it was reported that Sean's parents had testified before a grand jury. But grand jury proceedings are confidential, so no one could actually say what was talked about or why. This is an interesting development because even four months later, authorities still said they had no information about what had happened to Sean. I don't really understand what the point was to have a grand jury hearing when there's no credible information about his disappearance. Weird. So I, I just noticed that and was like, I guess I should include that, but I, I don't think it really meant anything and I don't know what the point was. Now, each year, Sean's parents were in the paper again on his birthday and on the anniversary of his disappearance. And as, like, as I looked, you know, of course, in the beginning, it's daily. They're giving you updates. Then you can kind of see it start to space out. Then by the time you get here to like 2004, 2005, you can just see it's only on the anniversary. It's only on his birthday. Not because no one cared about Sean, of course, because, you know, I remember people were still talking about Sean. I still talked about Sean uh, pretty regularly, had the conversation about what had happened to him or, you know, what. Oh, yeah. Um, So, you know, there was there was still searching. There was still hoping there was still praying for something to happen. In July of 2005, registered sex offender Joseph Edward Duncan III was arrested while in the company of an eight-year-old girl he had abducted along with her nine-year-old brother after killing their mother, her boyfriend, and their 13-year-old brother. Holy shit! Yeah, that one sounds like a wild one. I'm, I'm sure say, we'll I think we should do that case. Put that on our list. Um, of course, the authorities were looking at Duncan and the disappearances of other Those children, including Sean. This did not pan out, and another year passed with no information on Sean. Now, interestingly, so Holly and I talk a lot about breadcrumbs and the things that kind of tell us that we're where we're supposed to be. I call them breadcrumbs because that's what uh, James calls them. Hi, James. And um, I feel like I need a different name for them, but that's what we're going to call them right now. So anyway, as I was reading these papers on this stuff, and I went back and forth about covering this case just because I couldn't get a hold of the family, and I don't want to do anything that that hurts anyone, hurts the families or anything. And so... um, when I was looking through that, this I think it was this particular article, there was a list of kids that they were looking they were looking at in connection with this Duncan guy. And w- at least one of those I'd never heard of before. You know, one of the course, names? These are, yeah, these are local okay. cases. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I've never heard of that one. So I, I noticed, and the name wasn't like Smith. It was something memorable. And... Literally a couple of days later, I mean, this has only been a week ago that I was that I even researched this. I wrote this a week ago, and a couple of days later, that case shows up in my news feed on Facebook. What? In the uh, crime junkies discussion group, someone yeah. shared it to, to like talking about it. Oh, they should cover this case, and I was like, what the well, fuck? Fuck. So I was Here's like, okay, okay, maybe that's that's my breadcrumbs. So yep. Hopefully, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yep. Um. Again, I don't. I think I already said it, but this didn't pan out. And another year passed with no information on Sean, so they still don't have any idea what's going on. So now we're going to pause on Sean's story, and we're going to jump forward to 2007. Okay? okay. I'm going to tell you another story that takes place about 40 miles away from Richwoods. I think it's Beaufort, Missouri. Sounds about right. Um, so on Monday, January 8th, 2007, at 3.30 p.m., 13-year-old William Ben Ownby climbed off the school bus. He was last seen jogging to his home, which was only 500 feet from the bus stop. Oof. I just got fucking goosebumps just even saying that. Uh, I read in one paper that Ben's mom had gone to the school to look for him. So I think maybe, you know, I think it all happened pretty quickly, but I think he didn't, maybe he didn't, they didn't see him get off the bus or they didn't see him come in the door. And I think maybe she went to the school or maybe she went while dad called the police. I'm not totally sure. Anyway, Ben's father, William Sr., called police around 4.10 p.m. So they called police pretty quickly when they realized Ben was missing. 
Ben's 15-year-old classmate, Mitchell Holtz, and this kid. This kid. Oh. I'm talking about him. He told police he'd gotten off the bus with Ben and they'd gone in different directions. He'd climbed into his own truck that he kept parked on a hill close to the bus stop and drove toward his home. And they made a point like he wasn't old enough to drive, but his parents would let him just drive the truck like down the hill to go home. Oh, okay. Um, now, as he drove down the hill, he saw a beat up white Nissan pickup truck with a camper shell in the middle of the road. It said it was like dirty and had some rust on it. Or maybe he said it was dirty or had rust on it. I can't remember which. Uh, and it was... It was in the middle of the road like it was trying to turn around. Now, so as Mitchell got closer, the truck straightened up and continued going forward and stopped trying to turn around. So when Mitchell pulled into his own driveway, the truck pulled into a neighbor's driveway, turned around, and then sped back up the hill. Oh, so back towards where he was. Yeah, so strange. Now, neighbors had seen the same truck cruising through the neighborhood earlier in the day. Uh, At 8.24 p.m. that night, an endangered person advisory went out to regional media outlets and law enforcement. Now, Ben's disappearance was actually the first time the Endangered Person Advisory was used in Missouri. Like, it had been signed in, like, the, the prior week. Oh, my gosh. And it's kind of similar to an Amber, Amber Alert, but it's a little bit more lenient in when it can be used. Amber Alerts are very specific. You have to fit these certain guidelines or you can't issue one. Uh, in Ben's case, that detail about the pickup truck that Mitchell saw wasn't learned until the morning after his disappearance. I'm sure they were busy looking oh, for him. Oh, right. You know. So uh, that's when the Amber Alert was able to be issued. So just think, if they hadn't been able to do that, that would have meant 24 hours almost before they could issue any kind of alert about Ben being gone. So that endangered person advisory is pretty huge. Do they do that still? Uh, I don't wonder. I didn't think to look that because I was rushing to try to get this ready for last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, 24 hours, though, that can mean life or death. Oh. And that's a lot in in a case like like this. I can wait 24 seconds. Right, exactly. Someone's, especially with a child, that's not, we can't wait. There's no time for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Flyers were posted everywhere immediately, and FBI FBI profilers were brought in to develop a profile. The woods near Ben's home were searched, and everyone was looking for this white pickup truck that was seen near the bus stop. A friend of Ben's family said he drove over 800 miles handing out flyers and searching for this white truck. They talked about him coming out as far as, uh, like, Chesterfield. So, I mean, a pretty good distance when you're talking about... Oh, yeah. You know, where the area that he's coming from. Um, Ben's father was quoted in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch as saying, quote, we just want to get him back safely. No questions asked. He has his whole life ahead of him still. Let him finish that. His message to Ben was simple. We love you, and we are not going to quit looking. <sighs> Here we go. On the evening of Friday, January 12th, two police officers answered a call at an apartment complex in Kirkwood, Missouri. As they were leaving, Kirkwood's about like 40 miles, I think, from where Ben? I don't remember which one, but Kirkwood's about 40 miles from that general, you know. Okay. So a little bit further, further, uh, closer to the city. Uh, As they were leaving, they noticed a dirty, rusty, white Nissan pickup truck with a camper shell. Oh. One officer asked the other, are you seeing what I'm seeing? While they were looking at the truck, a neighbor came over to tell them he was suspicious of the owner of the truck. Oh, can you see my goosey? I know, right? (sighs) So this neighbor comes over and is like, hey, this dude, he's weird. Something's not right. So that's why they were there. Was so were for there. the pickup no, truck? So they oh, were there okay. for something totally separate. I, this, I, one article said it was a different call. Okay. I think another article said they were like, I don't remember. But anyway, they were there for some other unrelated thing. And then while they were there, they noticed the pickup truck. And then it just so happens that a neighbor comes out and is like, the dude that owns that truck is weird and something's not right. I don't know what he said. That's not, those weren't his yep. exact words. But he was like, dude, shady as fuck. Something, something's going on. 
so he told them which apartment. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, he fucking in. did. So minutes later, 41-year-old Michael Devlin, a man the officers immediately recognized as the day manager of the local Emo's Pizza, which I think was really close to the police department, so they went in there a lot. He exited the apartment, headed for the dumpsters. And the officers engaged Devlin, who was friendly in the beginning. I'm sure he recognized them. You know, they knew him. But when they mentioned Ben's disappearance, Devlin bristled. He became defensive. He was averting his eyes and clenching his fists. They knew him as a pretty laid-back guy. So this demeanor made him almost unrecognizable. Devlin wouldn't let the officers into his apartment. But through the window, they noticed a teenage boy playing a video game. Now, this boy didn't match Ben's description. The officers called police headquarters. And within 30 to 45 minutes, officers from the Highway Patrol and the FBI showed up at the apartment complex. They, too, were denied access to the apartment. They responded with an all-night stakeout. The next morning, agents followed Devlin to work, questioning him in the emails parking lot. How scary at that point, though, that it would have been possible for him to have hurt those boys. Yeah, do something. I mean, or get or get away. Get, oh, um, I'm sure they had that place all the way surrounded. Yeah, yeah. And just waiting and waiting. Oh, right. Um, so next morning, they followed him to work, questioning him in the emails parking lot. It was there that Devlin admitted to kidnapping Ben Ownby. He was taken into custody. And authorities entered his apartment. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry when I even fucking say the sentence. When they did, they didn't just find Ben. They also found 15-year-old Sean Hornbeck. And everybody went, (laughs) At around four, I don't even fucking know Sean Hornbeck, and I'm still like, Um, At around 4.50 p.m. on January 12th, 2007, the news broke that Ben and Sean had been found. For me... This is literally a moment where, like, I'll never forget where yep. I was when I heard the news. So for me, I was in my home, sitting on my living room floor, watching, I don't know what it was on TV, based on the time, it had to be, like, Oprah or, like, Jeopardy. Like, you know, that time of day. And it was, Or it was the news, like, I think the news was on right between. So it might have been, like, a news station. They broke in and were like, we have breaking news, you know, kind of thing. Um, and I remember... They said Ben had been found and they were like, and you know, they're saying that Ben, that Sean Hornbeck is with him. And I just remember going (gasps) and just bursting into tears. (laughs) Um, I had followed Sean's story and I remember feeling sad for his parents because I just remember thinking that little boy is not alive anymore. Right. There's no way. There's no way. And I remember having that conversation. Like there's no way it doesn't happen that way because at that point it hadn't ever happened that way. Was it six years? Uh, four years. Four years. Almost like like four and a half years. Okay. Um, and I, you know, most people felt like Sean was gone because that's what happens. We all know the odds, especially right. if you're if you follow true crime, mm-hmm. you follow these cases, you know the odds. Um, and I, everyone was hoping they were wrong, and then just like that, we all got that moment of pure joy at these two boys being found alive. I do not know either of them. I do not know Sean. I have never met him. He is eight years younger than I am. I grew up in a whole, totally different area, but whatever the reason is, his is just one of those stories that I always felt that connection to, even before he was found. So, yeah, that's part of why I wanted to tell the story. So, anyway, enough about me. My story doesn't matter. I just felt like I had... I literally tried to even find if someone had the news story where they broke in because I just remember how amazing it was hearing them say that because you just... That wasn't even on anybody's mind right. for that to happen. Not right. Uh, oh. There was no way that was going to happen. Oh. Um, 
And an interesting connection that I had to include, the day before the boys were found, a true crime writer wrote about Ben's disappearance on her blog. She suggested that authorities should look into a connection between the abductions of Ben and Sean, noting that while Ben was two years older than Sean at the time of their disappearances, the two were very similar. Ben looked young for his age, standing at four foot ten and weighing a hundred pounds, while Sean was four foot eight and weighed ninety pounds. So I mean they're right about yeah. the same size. Mm-hmm. Um now this post on this blog included a map of the area that showed the abduction sites, it had them marked off. And I bet you're wondering who was this brilliant true crime writer? Uh, it was none other than Michelle McNamara, who you likely know from her book and the documentary based on it, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yes. While police have denied it, uh, Michelle McNamara's work on the Golden State Killer case absolutely helped in the solving of that case. And this talented journalist who lived half a country away picked up on the connection between two cases that police here may not even have recognized. Uh, just to make sure that Michelle is getting credit for her incredible attention to Yes, go! Um... So a week after the boys were found, Sean and his parents appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show. Sean was polite and sweet, and he said he was happy to be back home. Um, He said he thought about his family every day and prayed that he would get to go home. He said he never tried to write to or call his family, though he had access to a phony on the internet. Uh, Sean said at the time that he couldn't watch the news stories about himself while he was in captivity because he would just get too upset. Oh, my God. All the drama. I can't imagine just oh. watching that. Watching and your, your parents. parents. No. And you can't. I don't want it. No. Sean told Oprah that he had friends and even some freedoms while he was being held by Michael Devlin. When people would ask why he wasn't in school, the story he was told to give was that he was homeschooled. In 2005, Sean had gone to the website his family set up for information and posted on the message board asking how long they would look for their son. The post was signed Sean Devlin. He posted again later, asking if he could write a poem about their son. Craig Akers said on the Oprah show that he remembered reading the message and thought that either it was someone that really had that name or someone that was fucking with him. Oh my fuck. When asked if he ever gave up, Sean said he came close, but he knew his parents hadn't given up, so he couldn't. He said, quote, I felt their hope. I'm just going to stop. Okay, sorry. Michael Devlin was charged in Franklin County, Missouri with one count of kidnapping, in Washington County, Missouri with one count of kidnapping and armed criminal action, and in St. Louis County with two counts of kidnapping and 17 counts of forcible sodomy against Ben and 52 counts of forcible sodomy against Sean. Devlin pled guilty and admitted to kidnapping Sean at gunpoint, sexually abusing him, torturing him, and videotaping it. He deprived Sean of sleep to be able to control him. Uh, after days of abuse, he took Sean back to Washington County, pulled him from the truck, and attempted to strangle him. But Sean convinced Devlin to let him live, agreeing to do whatever it took to keep himself alive. Oh, my God. In the beginning, he would leave Sean tied to a futon or couch with his mouth covered in duct tape while he worked, only to come home and assault Sean at night. Devlin admitted that Sean was aging out, and that was the reason he abducted Ben. Not realizing so, that Ben was older. Right. And and before I go to the last bit of charges, I want to say that's where Mitchell, the kid that, that came and said something, this 15-year-old boy, and they talked about it then, but this kid's a fucking hero, man. If he hadn't done that, who knows where Sean would still be here? Because he got this other kid because he was done with Sean. Yeah. And that what would have happened to Ben? Hero. 
I mean, I mean that kid. He's not a fucking kid anymore. This is right. twenty fucking years ago. Yeah, he's but an then, adult, but yeah, he. I mean, hero. That's what you fucking do. You don't keep it to yourself. If you see something, just say it. If you feel stupid, so so what? So what? Right. Just saw this weird white truck. Yeah, exactly. Saw this white truck, and it just so happens that this kid is interested in trucks enough that he knew it was this kind of truck. You gave him enough information that they recognized it in a fucking parking lot. Like save their fucking life. Oh my god, fucking incredible. (sighs) Okay. Back to this part. So, Devlin was also charged in federal court with a variety of charges, including four counts of producing child pornography. Devlin also pled guilty to the federal charges. In total, he received 74 life sentences and an additional term of 2,020 years. Oh, my gosh. Fuck him. Yes. That's how you sentence people. Right there. It's not, because you're going to, I mean, he won't get out, but he'll be eligible for parole when he's 100. So he will be eligible for parole, but... That is not 74 life sentences plus 2,000 years. How does that even come close to that? I know. It's a fucking wizard. (laughs) The fuck are you talking about? I mean, isn't that why you get sentences like that? You you would think so. You'll never leave. It'll be impossible. You'll never never leave. That's it. You'll never get out. You Never. But when you're 100. But sure, when you're 100. Let's go. He's not going to let it be 100. What the fuck? Whatever. Fuck him. Whatever. Okay. So, according to a number of articles, Michael Devlin apparently is or was a suspect in five other cases of missing boys. Three in Missouri, one in Michigan, and one in Illinois. I couldn't find a list of the actual cases. Everything just said five other cases. But it seems that one is the case of Arlen Henderson, who went missing in 1991 in similar circumstances to Sean's abduction, and he very much fits the profile. And then another is Stephen Kraft, who went missing in 2001 in Michigan. I have to say, there's no physical evidence tying Devlin to any other cases. Okay. But I hope that these families get answers soon. I feel like the fact that he was like, okay, I'm done and was ready to go and kill Sean, he's done that before. Mm-hmm. He's done it before. Um, Especially having him for that length of time and right. then getting another child while he still even had him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think he had, he had done that before. Um, yeah. Uh, in April of 2011, Devlin was attacked by another inmate and stabbed with what are described as homemade ice picks. The inmate wrote a letter to the post dispatch saying that he'd attacked Devlin in anger for his crimes. The inmate even named the two ice picks Sean and Ben. <laughs> that reminds me of fucking, oh, what's his fucking name? I don't know. <sighs> Peterson just did what? Sh- 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 what's Peterson? The- Lazy Peterson's husband? Uh, Scott Peterson? Drew Peterson? No. Michael Peterson? Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Never mind. I'll come you back. Come up with it. Come, come up with it later. We have Jeffrey next. Dahmer. Oh. Reminds me of when he got fucked up in, oh. in prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for keeping up, guys. Thank you. said Peterson. I was like, Peterson. Because there's Peterson just, I was like... <laughs> And then I couldn't think of his first name for a minute, so I was like, fuck, this is unraveling on me. It didn't help that I'm just shouting names at you, because I'm like, oh, maybe it's this. And I'm like, just in my head talking, but still trying to think of it at the same time. My brain's like, <laughs> You got there. <laughs> you got there. Uh, Devlin, unfortunately, survived the attack, and he remains in prison today. Cool. Where? Oh, you know what, though? You know what, though? Let's say this. Oh, you know what? I don't don't know where. I didn't put that down. But maybe not, unfortunately. Maybe he's going to come through and do the right thing and say 
who these other kids are and where they are. So let's maybe we'll hope for that. So maybe not, unfortunately. Yeah, that sounds... Also fuck him, but maybe... I feel like we need to, like, start a rumor or start a movement that if you do something like this, you're not interesting unless you tell where the bodies are. Like, so then that way they'll start telling. Because you just need... You're caught. You're done. It's over. Just fucking tell everybody. Yeah. Just what difference is it? Right. You're not getting out. Right. You're not getting out when you're 100. Mm -hmm. No one's going to fucking let you out of prison. So just fucking tell. You know why? Because Samuel Little was a piece of shit, but he's way more interesting because he fucking told the truth about mm-hmm. all of it. And now, even though he's gone, we can piece things together. He was way more interesting. So be interesting and fucking tell what you do. I mean, don't do it. But if you're going to do something like that, yep. fucking tell everybody what Maybe you have to write and, it all down. Yeah, something. Fucking t- Jesus Christ. Just fucking give people answers instead Ugh. of fucking holding this against people and making people suffer. Anyway, enough from that. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, In December of 2020, a Canadian man named Kevin Palmer came forward after reading about Sean and Ben's story and seeing a picture of Michael Devlin. When Palmer saw Devlin's face, he recognized the man who tried to abduct him in 1998 in Robinson, Illinois. Fuck. There's no other information about Palmer's story, but the former Franklin County Sheriff is quoted as saying that during the investigation, it was learned that Devlin tried to abduct other children in about a 60 mile radius from his home in Kirkwood, which included parts of Illinois. Mm Mm-mm. So, and I feel like... And there's one of the missing children in Illinois is in that area during that time? Yeah. One of those, well, I don't know when the air... When the, I couldn't find who the kid in Illinois was. Okay. Because, like I said, there was no list. So, um, but they suspect him of one in Illinois. So, Kevin Palmer went so far as to sign an affidavit swearing that his story is true. So, I feel like if he's abducting... Trying to abduct a kid in 1998... It is not unreasonable that in 1991 he kidnapped Arlen Henderson. Oh, right. Um, and I, I like did the math, and in 1991 he would have been like 25, so totally would have been old enough to do something like this. <sighs> what a piece of shit. I also want to address one other thing that happened when Sean and Ben were found that is just fucking appalling and disgusting. I added this in today. Uh, Bill O'Reilly who is a giant fucking creep. Oh my gosh. Who's Bill O'Reilly? He's like a conservative. He used to have a talk show on fucking Fox and he's fucking horrible and annoying and stupid. (laughs) Fucking terrible. (laughs) Tell me how you really feel. Well, you're, I don't know who you are, but fuck you, Bill. You're going to, you're going to, I know I literally told Roger today. I was like, I forgot he even existed. (sighs) We'll, we'll talk much. about I why I forgot you. that he existed. And I was like, I'm a little bit upset that I remember now that he existed. Oh, no. Um, so he's a giant fucking creep. So he said on his show at this time, so when Sean and Ben were found, that he believed Sean enjoyed his kidnapping situation because it was more fun and exciting than being at home. I wish you guys could see her fucking face. I'm not done yet. It gets worse. He said that Sean had more freedom and didn't have to go to school. Those aren't the direct quotes, but they are the literal words that he said. I will fucking kill you. He's a fucking piece of shit. I would if I was those parents, I'd be like, "You're dead." Yeah, he's a piece I'm of coming shit. Coming after a you, gigantic piece of shit. Oh my god. Um, you can, oh my you god. Can, if you want to watch the video to watch what he said and find out, like, I'm what not. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm not embellishing. That's literally what he said. You can actually search for Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hornbeck and watch the video. But fair warning, you're going to get pissed off and you're going to have to look at and listen to Bill O'Reilly. So, wow. Trigger warning. How do you sleep at night? Well, he also said that he would apologize if he was wrong. But of course, he never apologized, even though he was fucking wrong. And if you but go, who even talks like that about a child anyway? Shut right? up. Fucking gross. Shut up. He's fucking awful. 
Mm. Interestingly. No. O'Reilly settled a sexual harassment lawsuit in January of 2017 for $32 million. This lawsuit included allegations of repeated harassment, the sending of sexually explicit materials, including gay porn, which I guess, I don't know why that specifically was listed, but it was, you know how people are, uh, and a, quote, non-consensual sexual relationship. Hmm. That's no, weird. No. Those words don't go together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Um... So I have a note to remind anyone that's forgotten that there is no such thing as a non-consensual, or there is no such thing as non-consensual sex. Yep. That's called rape. Thank you. Thank you. It's rape. There is either sex or there is rape. That rape. That's it. Sex is always consensual. Yeah. That's so if it's not consensual, it, it wasn't a... It, it's, it's rape. It's rape. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway... If you are confused about what consent looks like, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN, with two N's, has a great page on their website that explains it in depth, including explanations of who cannot give consent and what enthusiastic consent looks like. Uh, consent looks like, I mean, excuse me, with examples. So, if you're someone who thinks that non-consensual sex is a thing, please go read that until you understand it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in April of 2017, O'Reilly lost his job with Fox News. Due to the revelation that he'd settled sexual harassment allegations with at least six women for around $45 million. I remember this now mm-hmm. that you're saying He's that. He's a piece of shit. Uh, an article from the New York Times says that as part of these settlements, at least two of the women were required to turn over all evidence, including diaries and audio recordings. And at least one was required to say that these materials were counterfeit and forgeries if they were ever made public. Oh, man. Because he's just a piece of shit. So if the women were ever found to have breached their agreements, they would not only be required to return the settlement money, but also pay O'Reilly's legal fees. O'Reilly's lawyer stated that he had settled these lawsuits to protect his children. (laughs) Um, I think, this is just me, if he wanted to protect his children, maybe he should have considered not being the kind of piece of shit that suggests, among other things, that a kidnapped child fucking enjoyed being abused, raped, tortured, filmed, and held captive away from his fucking family. That's my opinion. Period. That would probably be better for your fucking kids, you giant douchebag. <laughs> you fucking. Ooh. Fuck yeah. I had to make sure that was in there because he said something so awful that I was like, let's talk about what a piece of shit he is. But it's crazy that you would run your mouth about stuff like that when you got them skeletons in your closet. Fucking piece of shit. Who's, yeah. like you said, who says that about anyone? Anyone, let anyone, let alone a, a ch- fucking a, a ch- a, an eleven-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Because remember, he was an eleven-year-old boy when he was kidnapped. Yep. Who does that? Shut the fuck up. Fucking gross. As for Sean and Ben, back to who really fucking matters. Mm. Uh, the now grown men have mostly stayed out of the media. Uh, I did find a clip of Sean speaking to Kim Bell with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in what I assume was 2013, after Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina De Jesus were found in Ohio. I'm sure we'll talk about that case eventually, too. That one's mm. going to be a rough one. Uh, Sean said that he accepts that it's part of his life to speak out when kidnapped victims are found, and he spoke about his hopes of going to school to get a degree in criminal justice. He oh. was well-spoken and comes across as a kind and intelligent man. A 2022 article on the case stated that both Sean and Ben still live in the St. Louis area. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Sean did say in that in that 2013 interview that he's recognized often, and he seemed to be totally okay with it. You know, he just said that people always say nice things to him, and... You know, say they hope he's doing well, and he does. I mean, he, he just he's like he's well. just by being there, you're just spreading hope to yeah. people every single day. Absolutely, and and I'm sure that's a a fucking heavy ass burden to carry. I'm sure it is, but yeah. I I'm glad that that's you know that's how people res- 
respond mm-hmm. to him right. and, and I hope respond to Ben as well as you know that that they're and they're they call them the Missouri miracle that's yeah they're this ray of hope in St. Louis and and I hate that they had to go through any of what they went through but I'm glad that that's the reaction they're getting afterwards as opposed to this bullshit that fucking that piece of shit Bill O'Reilly is saying you know that they're getting love instead and and light and the things that they should have had that whole time so um i hope that wherever they are and whatever is happening in their lives both are thriving whenever i think of this case i always stop and send good vibes to them both so absolutely uh if you have any information regarding missing children in the united states please contact the national center for missing and exploited children at 1-800-THE-LOST that's 843-5678 you can also contact your local crime stoppers anonymously on their website um, it's very easy to do. I've done it before. Um, super, super simple. And they have, like, give you a, a password so you can log back in and see if they have questions for you. It's really, really easy. Uh, there are so many missing children across the country, and their families deserve answers. Someone knows something, and it is time to come forward. And that is the story of the Missouri Miracle. Woo! You did so good! That one is, oh. Such a beautiful, a heartbreaking, amazing story. I mean, they're all heartbreaking. Oh, thank goodness those poor babies were found. I know. I'm so glad that they were found and they were and that, that safe as they and could that be. And that mom just, I can't even imagine, like, I wish she would have responded, like, where were you? Yeah. Where, you, where were you when they called? You yeah. know, what were you doing? Yeah. And, yeah. Did I'm you have sure. to go to the the police station, I'm sure, or the hospital, yeah. you know? Oh! I wonder how that... I'd be like, you're sleeping in my bed right. forever! I can't, like... You know, I said, for me, it was like, no fucking way. No fucking way. Really? They, and I'm really? sure she part of her was thinking that, like, it's not yeah. going to be him, it's not going to be him, it's yeah. not going to be him, oh my don't God, is it going to be him? Like, don't... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, what? It, I, I can't imagine what it felt like to walk into that room and see him. And... I probably would throw up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And then I would just literally probably just smush our bodies. Would just smush together. Right. Just squeeze the shit. The kid would be like, "Mom," and I'd be like, "We are. We're having a sleepover forever now. Yeah, you can't, forever. Right. That's it. Forever." Oh. Uh, and I wonder too. Even after that, probably a lot of P. I mean, especially for him, but even for the parents, probably a lot of PTSD that would follow yeah, that. You know, absolutely. when he's sleeping, just waking up, and mm-hmm. how long that lasts. Like, can you ever really oh, let yeah. go again? Oh yeah, yeah. And like you said, especially for him and for Ben. I mean, you know, Ben. I think I think maybe part of the reason um, that I feel like not closer to Sean. Again, I'm not close to the case. I have nothing to do with the case, but I feel more closer to Sean's cases because we had that all that I mean you had four and a half years that we were talking about and thinking about this case and wondering what happened to this little boy and with Ben's case it was like three days right which not that you know Ben went through horrors I'm sure but you didn't have as long that you're sitting there thinking and wondering and and thinking like man those poor again like I say I just remember thinking like those poor parents and they just, you know, they have to have hope, but you know that there's not. Right. They have nights where they don't, and then yeah. The, yeah. the guilt that yeah. follows and back and forth. And, and then, and then oh. for him to have been found. And I said he was the first to be found. Uh, he wasn't. Obviously, the first to be found was Elizabeth Smart, but because I said that in the episode. But 
really that was she was the only one that was i think found before then typically you're talking about kids that are still missing kids like garland henderson who we have no idea where he went and for someone to be found now since then we've there have been more cases of people being found jc dugard and then as i said the girls in ohio but that's not normally the answer so um yeah i don't know crazy holy yeah, they were both found oh my both, gosh as like i say as safe as they can be obviously so how old are they now doors. uh so sean was 11 in 2002 so 22 right now no he was 11 oh, in 2002 32 32 i meant 30, to say because that was 20 years ago duh and then ben was kidnapped in 2007 and he was what did i say 13 so i can't do that math my math is late math 20s thing. yeah yeah so they're grown wow so well well is it my turn it's your turn jokes with ollie make us laugh all right let's see let's make a drink before she tells the story this, oh. <laughs> okay ready all right ready i don't know the rights to these jokes what is moby dick's dad's name hope i, I don't can do know. this one already i don't know what papa boner <laughs> I like that one. That was good. I like it. I like it. As always, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Mommy's Horror. We'll probably put something on there sometime. And on Facebook, Mommy's Horror Podcast. You can email us stories and case suggestions to mommyshorror at gmail.com. Or if you want to be on this podcast and tell us your fucking story or come on you want us to tell your story whatever fucking email us dude uh you can join the discussion on the mommy's discord where we are working on some things that we're pretty excited about we're actually just talking about uh something today and james and i have been having some discussions we kind of played around there the other day uh and if you want to support the podcast financially head on over to patreon and join to get episodes two days early and bonus episodes when we record them we love you thanks for listening sweet dreams spookies